Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? God bless you. Happy Easter, and most importantly, happy Resurrection Sunday. Come on, can we give the Lord a praise? You know, I've been, I've been, I've been saying, I've been saying something all week. This is the most important day in human history, whether you know it or not, whether the world knows it or not. Today, we celebrate the most important day in human history. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he tells us that if it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christians were to be the ones to be pitied the most in the whole world. Isn't that amazing? He said, look, you and I, those of us that put our faith in Jesus, if it wasn't for his resurrection, we would be the ones to be pitied the most. But because of the resurrection, instead of being pitied, we have victory and I'm just so thankful, so thankful um, for what this morning means and really what every Sunday morning means. Uh, I want to welcome those of you that are here. Uh, this is your first time or you've been visiting. Uh, my name is Philip. Uh, this is my lovely wife, Jamila, right here in the front. And and we're just so honored that God has called us to the Bay Area uh, I want you to know that there are some people that think that God is no longer in the Bay Area, uh, but those people usually don't live in the Bay. He is here, and he loves the Bay Area so much, so much, and as long as he's here, the body is going to be here, and so uh, we used to call ourselves a church plant, but we're not a church plant no more. We are officially launched and going, and we've been here for a little over a year and a half now. In fact, we'll be in September, we'll be two years meeting here at the Crown Plaza. Uh, and we, we are a homeless mobile church, and we love it, and we love it. And so uh, Crown Plaza, this, this may be Crown Plaza, um, the sign may say Crown Plaza, but we got it covered this morning, amen? And so if you have your Bibles, you have your Bible apps, why don't you open up to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Uh, we'll also have it up here for you on the screen, um, but let's open up to the book, the book of Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 9 through 15. Um, but before we do that, I just kind of want to make a couple of comments, uh, so, and then we'll get right into uh, this morning's message. Um, you know, this Easter, depending on what your personality is, I've been challenged. Um, maybe the word I could use is this Easter, I've been inspired or I've been encouraged. But either way you look at it, this Easter has been uh, encouraging, inspiring, and challenging for me personally. Because as I've prepared for um, this Easter message, um, I've been challenged to not become indifferent uh, to the cross and the tomb. Personally. Um, you see, I think we live in a culture, and you may agree with me, but we live in a co culture that knows the stories, but they don't seem to grasp the implication of the story. Um, you know, we know what happens, but we really don't know what it all really means. And so today, I'd like to take a few moments, maybe to go in a different direction than what you're expecting. Instead of telling you the actual story of the resurrection, what I'd like to do is remind you and I, I'd like to remind us of what Christ has secured for us through his death and resurrection. And so without further ado, I'd like to read from Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 15, and feel free to follow along on the screen if you'd like. Uh, scripture says this, for in him, referring to Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him 
who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This Jesus, this says, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Now, I'm going to just kind of skip to the next chapter, and you can just kind of bear with me. I'm going to read chapter 3 in just three simple verses. It says this, if then... You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, we stand before you this morning. Well, I stand before you this morning. Um, just wanting to deliver your word and nothing else. Your word is the only word that does not come back void, but it accomplishes everything that it's been set out to do. And so I step out of the way so that Christ may be glorified. And I pray that in this building, uh, every mind in this room uh, would be captivated by the beauty of Jesus. And may we most importantly give you all the honor and all the glory. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Everybody in the house said amen. amen. Come on, amen. Well, this morning I want to I wanna give you five Easter Sunday reminders that I believe are central to the Christian faith. Now, if you're here today and maybe you're just kind of here, maybe someone invited you or maybe you're not too familiar with Christianity and so maybe you're just kind of observing, you know, how we do things, I want you to know that I, as I give these five reasons, I want you to see how these five reasons are so important to those who are followers of Christ. And the first reason is this. Number one, in Jesus, in him, we as Christians, as believers, are filled. We are full. And I just want to tell you what that means when the Apostle Paul tells the church, in him you are filled. I want you to know everything that you and I need to be like God is found in Jesus. There's no secret knowledge there's no other source of enlightenment. There's no other God. There's no other man. And there's certainly no other philosophy that can bring us close to the divine but Jesus Christ. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, why Jesus? What, are, what is his qualifications? Well, the Apostle Paul would tell you the reason why Jesus is the one qualified to bring you closest to the Father is because Jesus in him is all humanity, in him is all divinity, and he carries all authority. And because he has all humanity and all divinity and all authority, we do not need to look outside to find a way to get closer to the Father. Now, there are so many things that are out there, 
And there are so many different things that we have that we, that we put before uh, to worship. And what I have in my hand real quick, uh, you might find interesting, but it's a crucifix and a coexist. Now, I want you to kind of bear with me for just a little bit here because I believe that both of these represent something pure. And what I mean by that is when I look at the coexist, I realize that there are some people that are telling us that it's important that we don't fight. It's important that we don't shed blood. It's important that we all live on this earth and no matter your beliefs, we should all love one another and get along. Amen? Is there anybody in here that believes that? Come on. You're a Christian. You should believe that. It doesn't matter if there's a non-believer. It doesn't matter if you came this morning and you don't believe in Christ and you follow someone else. I want you to know we love you. And so there's a beauty about this coexist sign. And we look at this crucifix and there's a beauty to the crucifix. Amen. Because when you look at it, you see our Savior pinned to the cross. And you realize that over 2,000 years ago on Good Friday, uh, our sins were plastered to this cross. That this innocent lamb was slain so that you and I can have life. But I'm going to do something that you may not like this morning. But I'm going to crucify the coexist. And I'm also going to crucify this crucifix. Because, as, because although those are beautiful reminders of some beautiful things, man has also in his philosophy and his religion twisted these things. Let me explain to you. You see, we wear the cross on our neck. We mount it in our house and we put it inside of our cars as if it's some sort of relic that would bless us. And we move in these superstitious notions, not knowing that that has no power. I want to tell you something. You can wear the cross all you want. You can mount it in your house all you want. You can put it in your car all you want. But if you don't know the person behind the symbol, if you are in a relationship with the one who has the power, this is empty. And you know what? We have a lot of people that are leaving the church. Can I just say this? I want to tell you the fastest growing religious affiliation in the United States. Do you know what it is? It's the nons. You know what the nons are? The nons are a group of people that mark no religious affiliation. Did you know that in the 40s, that the nons were at 5%? Did you know, you fast forward to the 90s, the nons were at 8%. You know where the nons are right now? Over 25% in the United States are marking nons. And you know why? You want to know why? And I can't tell you how much. I've been reading articles, and maybe you've seen this, how many blogs that I've read. Millennials are leaving the church, and they're not coming back. You know, back in the 50s, back in the 40s and 50s, the young people would leave the church, but they would go sow their wild oats, but they would ultimately come back. But they're, tr- they're starting to find out that that same phenomenon is not happening with the young adults today. Can I tell you why they're leaving the church? Because the church at some point has been selling them empty religion. And you can put this around your neck all you want, but if you don't know the person, it doesn't have the power to transform you. And I love the idea of coexisting. I love the idea of sharing love. 
I love the idea of being able to sit next to my neighbor who's a different race, a different religion, right, from a different place and being able to say, you know what, despite those differences, we love one another. But here's how human philosophy has twisted the coexist. The coexist has turned into a way to tell us a lie. And this is where I'm going to get a little offensive this morning. But here's what the lie is. The lie is, is that all roads lead to God. And I could even feel it in here. There's many of you who adopted that. But I want you to know that as a preacher of the gospel, I have to be honest with you. All roads do not lead to God. Only through Jesus Christ. Do we receive the way to God? And so what Jesus has done, I want you to know, is we can take our empty religion and crucify it to the cross. We can take our philosophy, our false philosophy of humanism, and we can put that on the cross, and we can receive the person and work of Jesus Christ, the only one who has the ability to give true resurrection. Can I just say this again? Paul tells us, in Christ, we are full. We don't need anything else. Number two, second important thing that I want to remind you this Easter is that in Christ, we are circumcised. Now, I know that's kind of an awkward, awkward thing to say, but I want you to stay with me. I promise you there's a purpose behind this. Can I just, can I just give you some theology this morning? Let me do my best to unpack this. You know, you and I, we are all born with an issue of the flesh, Every one of us, what do I mean by that when I say an issue of the flesh? Everyone is selfish in nature. We all have sin inside of us. Scripture says there's no one righteous, no, not one. No one in this room, myself included, can stand before a holy God, sinless and blameless. Let me tell you something. That's why our kid, we have to teach our kids no. You, know, you realize that, you know, we teach, we, we have to, our kids don't automatically come in knowing how to, they, they come in being selfish. They come in needing to learn to share. They come in and they need to learn how to, how to be able to get along with one another. And what's really interesting about that, that's telling about our human nature is that we are all born with this flesh. And what I mean by this flesh, this tendency to look out for us, this tendency to be selfish, and it's a sinful nature that every one of us has and can I tell you something because we all have that fallen nature it literally needs to be cut off and put away if we're ever going to be able to get close to a holy God now in the old testament circumcision was a sign of God's covenant it was a sign of God's contract with his people it was a Cutting away of excess flesh that would ultimately mark the person in a private place. It was the cutting away of excess flesh. Now, if you think that's bad, you see, we circumcise babies around eight days old. In fact, what I have right here, and people, people keep asking me, are those used? <laughs> Thank God for doctors in the house, amen? <laughs> These are circumcision tools. And at first I thought, man, I'm going to show a little clip. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to explain to you because most of you kind of understand how this goes. I remember my wife and I, uh, we went to go with my son when he was circumcised. And uh, it was very difficult for her to watch. I don't know if anyone has ever seen that. Um, but I was actually really interested. 
And, um, and as my son was being tormented and tortured, uh, um, I, was, I had my video camera out and my iPhone. I don't, don't report me to CPS. I promise I love my son. Um, and uh, I got to see this very, uh, what seemed to be excruciating procedure in which they used instruments that looked like scissors to cut around and cut off excess flesh. And um, my poor son, again, was, was crying. And I was watching, and there's nothing I could do about it. But here's kind of what I want you to see. The circumcision was a mark in a private place that you belong to God. And when you start to feel bad for your son, I want you to remember that Abraham was 90 years old when he got his. Hallelujah. Some of you are like, Philip, if you're going to ask me to do what I think you do, I'm not coming to church. Every, this is a cult. We are not coming back this Easter. Amen. But I'm not. But here's what I want you to know. Are you ready? This circumcision was limited. It was a mark, cutting away excess flesh that represented a covenant or an agreement that God had with his people. This circumcision was limited because even though it could mark you, it lacked the ability to change you. So the Old Testament circumcision was only a sign. It was a limited metaphor for an even greater circumcision to come, one without hands, one that's called the circumcision of the heart. But here's the question. How could we ever have heart surgery? When, uh, how, could we, how could anyone ever survive this kind of heart surgery? I want you to see this. When Christ was crucified on the cross, he experienced what the Old Testament vaguely pointed towards. His flesh was torn and ripped apart. Jesus Christ was cut off from his communication with the heavenly father. He was literally forsaken on the cross. And in this way, the cross literally becomes the location in which the ultimate circumcision took place. And so his death, his death becomes our circumcision. And what he experienced in his body, you and I, through faith, can experience in our hearts. Can I say something real quick? It's so important. Because he was cut off, my flesh can now be cut out. And I can enjoy a relationship with God. Because on that cross, my sin was literally being cut off from me. Number three, you guys are doing great. We're getting through here. Number three, Scripture tells us that with him, we were buried and raised. I want you to follow me. The cross was a kind of circumcision in which the entire flesh of Jesus was ripped up and cut off in death. Now, normally when somebody dies, we bury them. And I want you to see this. This is important. By burying them, we're not only experiencing closure, but we're also putting away a decaying body. Now, when we place our faith in Jesus, we're not only sharing in the cutting off of the flesh, but we're also sharing in the putting away of it for good through burial. You see, on his cross, I died too. On his cross, 
You're looking at me. I died too on that cross. You see, the old man, the man that I used to be, those sinful tendencies that used to get the best of me, when I put my faith in what Christ did through his death and resurrection, that old man was cut off and that old man was laid to rest and buried with Christ. And so my flesh was not only cut off at the cross, but in the tomb, my flesh was put away for good. Now, I want to share with you, a, I want to talk about, just for a moment, I promise I won't go too far on this, but I want to talk about death. It's a tough subject to talk about. But can I tell you a little bit about what the Bible teaches us about death? Two important lessons I want you to know. Number one, did you know death is unnatural? If you read the scriptures, and it may seem hard to believe, but it really is unnatural. Listen to me. You and I were created to be alive. We were made by a father. We were created by a God. We were created in his image and his character. There's no death in his character. God is fully alive. Death is not part of his nature. And so we inherit that. And so when he created us, death was an unnatural thing, but we were created to be alive. We were never meant to die. And if you look at scripture, you realize, hear me out, death was a punishment. It's a consequence. And so if you really begin to think about this in your mind, nobody ever really dies of natural consequences. Number one, death is unnatural. Number two, not only is death unnatural, but there are also two deaths. Scripture teaches us there's a physical death that cuts us off from the physical world. But also, there's a spiritual death that cuts us off from God. Now this is really important. All death is the consequence of sin. But before sin brings a physical death, it first brings a spiritual death. Let me explain. This means that we've all died before we actually ever die. In fact, we might even have some zombies in here today, but don't worry, we serve a resurrected king. You see, to be spiritually dead means to be cut off from God. It means to be in a place in our lives where we are unmoved and unresponsive to his word. And even though our physical bodies are breathing, our spirit man is dead. The, our entire faith, I want you to see this, rests upon this truth. There's only one way for someone who is dead to be made alive, and that is for someone who is alive to be made dead and alive again. I'm going to say that again. This is so important. This is such a huge spiritual truth for Christianity. There's only one way for someone who is dead to be made alive, and that is for someone who is alive to be made dead and alive again. Now look, in this is both the beauty and power of the resurrection. You see, because Christ died our death, we can live his resurrection. Because of Jesus, I, I now have access to something that as a man, I would have never been able to access on my own. 
resurrection power. This is a power that causes me to overcome those sins that used to so easily ensnare me in my past. You see, on that cross, the old man died in that tomb. The old man was buried for good, and the resurrection represents a new creation, vibrant and spiritually alive. And this is what God has done for me, and this is what God has done for those who have put their faith and their trust in Christ. The sins that used to so easily ensnare us sooner than later begin to, as God begins to sanctify us through faith, it begin, those sins that used to entrap us and hold us captive and bound, they begin to fall off because of the resurrection power of God. You know, um, I've often shared this, and I, my church knows this, but I was caught up in so much sin in my life. And even today as a man of God and walking in my resurrection power, there's still sin. Look, until Christ comes back, we'll always battle with this flesh. Some of you in here today, you love Jesus, but you may be still falling. You may be still fighting. I want you to know the worst thing you can do is allow the fall and the fight to chase you to a point where you're no longer fighting. I want you to know you trust God. And you walk in his word. And I can't tell you the day or the time or the hour when, when, when things begin to change, but something begin to happen. And, and I always use this illustration, and there's no more shame in my life to use it. But there was a long time, again, I was bound by sin. And my flesh to this day still struggles with sin. But there was one day when I was bound to and pornography. And I know in our day, in our, and I know with the accessibility of what we go through, I know that there are non-believers that are struggling in their marriage because they're bound with pornography. I want you to know, you came looking for some sort of cure. I want you to not only will Christ satisfy your soul, but he'll help you overcome those things that you cannot overcome yourself. It was a battle and it was a fight in my life. There's an entire generation being robbed of intimacy because they're looking at it in a computer screen. And it's so difficult. But I want you to know that there's resurrection power. And I can't tell you the day. I can't tell you the hour. I didn't pray this many prayers or say this many, uh, uh, recited this many Hail Marys. I can't tell you a formula. All I can tell you is that I walked with Christ and I would fall. And I would get back up and walk with Christ and I would fall. And this was repetitive. And I thought this ugly flesh would never be destroyed. I said, God, you promised, but it's not happening. But I, again, there's just one day in my life where I begin to wake up and that fall became less and less there. And that thing got in my rear view mirror and what used to dominate me I began to dominate it and I realized this it wasn't me y'all willpower doesn't work it was the power of the resurrected Christ that I put my faith in are you with me this is the beauty and power of our faith through faith in Christ we receive resurrection power that helps us overcome the sins that we could not overcome on our own. Number two, uh, through the resurrection power, this power not only causes me to overcome sin, but it guarantees me to be resurrected. And it causes death. It causes the sting of death to be removed because this resurrection power not only empowers me in this life, but it ensures that one day I'll be raised again. You know, as Christians, we don't fear death. And some of you say, well, wait a minute, I'm Christian, and I'm still kind of scared of it. <laughs> but I want you to know, I, I, was, uh, I want you to know that um, I'm going to share kind of a story. Some of my family's here today. Um, you know, there's 
Scripture tells us how precious it is in the sight of the Lord, how precious it is when saints die in the eyes of the Lord. That moment is so precious to Christians. And let me explain to you, that might sound absurd to you, but something that impacted me uh, last year, a, a cousin of mine passed away. And uh, it was not, if you've ever experienced that, it's never a, it's, it's a very difficult thing. And the individual's body begins to grow cold. And you could kind of see, uh, and, it, and you don't, you know, and most of the time they're incapacitated. You could kind of feel, if you're in that moment, you could kind of sense that this life is going to take away. And I, again, I, I, don't mean, I don't mean to trigger anyone this morning, but can I just say this? We gathered in there, and we were mourning, and we were sad, but we were worshiping Jesus. And the presence of God was in that room. And I remember uh, my cousin coming up to me uh, as, a, as a pastor of the family, and he was like, well, can you please come in, and would you say something? And, of course, you know, everyone thinks that, you know, pastors are just ready to go, you know. And, 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 and I'm just like, wait, wait, me? <laughs> oh, Lord, it's such a difficult time but uh, I'm just praying Lord will you will you uh, will you just share something God will you speak through me and I remember walking in and I saw the family there was concern on their eyes in their eyes but there was also joy knowing that this wasn't it this wasn't it and I remember thinking the Lord brought Psalms 23 to my mind and I want you to know everyone's like of course he did that's the most popular psalm in the world right (laughs) of course he brought Psalms 23 But can I say something to you that maybe you've never heard? And I believe you've heard it, but maybe you don't know the implication of this psalm. But in Psalm 23, it says this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. That's the testimony of the saints. That even when we're breathing our last And we're on our deathbed and we're about to enter into the valley of death. And we're nervous and we're afraid because we're not quite sure. As we close our eyes into death, Christ meets us in that valley and walks us through. That means if you put your faith in Christ, when you close your eyes and breathe your last, and all that fear and not sure, all that uncertainty, you're holding on to the hope of his word. As you close your eyes and as you rest into death, it's not going to be a scary thing for you because Christ is going to say, don't worry, I'm here. Can you imagine the beautiful experience all the saints that have gone before us have experienced in their last breath? You know, what I, what I have with me here is a birth certificate. And we celebrate the birth of our children, Amen. It's a joyous occasion. In fact, Inspired Church has been birthing babies a lot lately. <laughs> I want you to know there's like 58 kids in a month. No, okay, I'm kidding. But I, I, I believe there's about seven or eight that have been born in the last like six months. Our poor children's ministry. Man, I want you to know when you give your offering, Jamila and I don't ride out of here in a Rolls Royce and go get something to eat. It goes to our children's ministry. Amen. Some of you are like, I don't want to give no offering. I know about those pastors. I'm going to tell you, I'll show you my car. It doesn't go there. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) But we celebrate this moment. We celebrate this moment because it's new life. It's new life. And we celebrate the new life. This is a birth certificate of one of our own, Ezra. And I'm sure this was a beautiful moment for his mama, Catherine. 
But there's also another moment in death. And a lot of us, we don't celebrate that like we celebrate the birth. And this is Catherine's beautiful son, but this is Catherine's beautiful mom. And on, if you've ever read a death certificate, it tells you what they have died from. And when you read it, you realize we had lung cancer. And you realize the brain, the bones, and you, as you read through this, you realize that the body is frail. But you know what I love about this death certificate? It belonged to a saint. It belonged to a woman who loved Jesus. And so I want you to know that this frail, decaying, this dying body, and I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to fall off. I want you to know that that frail, decaying, that dying body, we mourn it, but we celebrate it. Because she knew Christ, she was born again. She was born again to a new life. And you know what's really amazing is that I know Catherine mourns, but there's a promise you're going to see your mama again. We'll be reunited. And so the beautiful thing about the death of Jesus is that we die, but he rose again. And because he rose again, he was our, he's the prototype. new life. Amen. Fourth, in him, are you ready for this? My debts have been canceled. And all those who got their light shut off last week said amen. <laughs> Come on, if you've grown up, anyone ever grew up and know debts are difficult things. There may be some of you in here today that are knee deep in debt, head deep in debt. You're buried in debt. Debt has the ability to incapacitate you. It stops you from moving your life forward. You have bad credit. You want to move out, but you can't. You want to get into a new place, but you can't. You want to buy a car, but you can't. You are captive and locked and bound to your debt. But here's what I want you to know. As difficult as it is to be in debt to man, it's even worse to be in debt to God. It's a heavy burden. And I want, you to t I want you to know this. You see, at birth, you and I inherited Adam's death. And it was too much for us to pay. But to make things worse, every day since birth, can you hear me? Every unrighteous thought you ever had, every unrighteous feeling and failure that you've ever had has been written down and recorded in the court of heaven. Now, not only is there a record of wrongs, this one really gets me, but there's also a record of everything we could have done right but chose not to do. What can we do to settle this account? How can we ever get out of being in the red with God? You see, we know the story. Jesus was betrayed and then abandoned. He was whipped beyond recognition, paraded in the streets and humiliated, finally hung on the cross and died. But do we really know the story's implications? Do we realize what our Savior was actually doing? You see, when those nails went through his flesh, they weren't just going through his wrists and his feet. They were also going through the record of our debts. 
Every secret sin, y'all, every unrighteous thought, every missed opportunity, every charge that was brought up against us was being held in the palm of his hand as they nailed him against the cross. If you really think about it, it was my sin, not the nail that held him there. You see, our overwhelmingly expensive debt to God was paid on a nail to Christ. And finally, in him, our enemies have been disarmed and humiliated. And number five, if you're taking notes, in him, our enemies have been disarmed and humiliated. Can I explain something to you? What took place this weekend over 2,000 years ago was more than just physical. It was supernatural. Or how else could we explain total darkness at high noon? Or how else could we explain an earthquake so strong that it tore the veil in two? Or how else could we explain tombs opening and dead saints rising? In that moment, it wasn't just Herod and Pilate. In that moment, it wasn't just the Roman soldiers and the angry Jewish mob. In that moment, all authority, principality, and powers, every hound of hell was focusing its arsenal on our Savior now can I tell you something to the natural eye by all human appearances the day was lost but not to heaven Jesus Christ our champion in that moment was disarming and humiliating demonic pressure he was disarming and humiliating all of hell. And there is an orange tip. Please don't misunderstand what I'm holding. I call this weekend, and I'll hang it quickly so nobody gets afraid. I call, I call this weekend. Let me see. It fits. I call this weekend the greatest gun control known to man I mean I want you to know Jesus wasn't Democrat he wasn't Republican <laughs> the liberals said he was too conservative and the conservatives thought he was too liberal he didn't fit in he came to bring a whole new kingdom and I want to tell you something uh, I want to tell you something I'm not I'm not advocating one way or another this morning. I'm just saying on the cross, one of the greatest acts of gun control, one of the great stripping of weapons against us took place on that cross. You see, we're told in Scripture, he disarmed them. What does that mean? He stripped the enemy, Satan, and the demonic powers. I want you to know that there was a world that you and I can't see. Have you ever been talking with your friends? And things are just so dark in this world that you can't help but think, man, there's got to be something behind this. Right? Any conspiracy theorists in the room? I know you're out there. And you come to this conclusion that things are too strategic. The things are happening not by coincidence, but it feels like there's this hidden hand guiding the people of the earth down this path of destruction. And we call them the Illuminati. But a reality I want you to know 
There's an unseen foe that has gathered and strategically began to lead man towards his destruction and demise. But on that cross and at the resurrection, Jesus stripped them of every single weapon that they had. The ultimate act of gun control. On that day, the enemy tried every single possible thing to break him, but instead he broke them. And we're not done yet because on that day, he also humiliated them. What does that mean? How so? I mean, wasn't Jesus humiliated? He was naked and on a cross. No, 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 no. I want you to think about this. For the first time ever, can you hear me real quick? For the first time ever, a man had lived from death, from birth till death without giving not even one ounce into their demonic pressure. The resurrection of Christ turned the death of Christ from hell's greatest victory to their worst nightmare. You see, all of hell was humiliated when they realized what they thought was their greatest weapon against them was in fact of everything that brought you and I victory. I'm going to say that again. You see, all of hell was humiliated when they realized what they thought was their greatest weapon against them. It was actually, in fact, the very thing that brought you and I our greatest victory. And gentlemen, if I can have your attention for a moment, we've all heard this story before. Instilled in our childhood, we've understood what it means to see two perpendicular lines of wood. We place it in our homes, plaster it publicly, post it in positivity, wear it around our necks. We all know the story. The story of the cross has never been lost. Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus rose, and every Easter I come and I sit in these rows. Imagine that. A great fraction of the population, even globally, knows this story historically. We all pray when times get hard, but we've been scarred with broken religion, suspect superstition, and compromising positions. This story that you keep talking about, it holds no weight. We question, is God real? Is this your king? Because if he is, how come I still feel empty, broken, wrecked, a mess? You see, I'm a good person. I'm selfless. I feed the homeless. I have good intentions. I know the story. I know the story. But deep down, I'm bleeding. My open wound is a beat, bruised heart, and I'm dying, and this is just the start. You see, it's real frustrating because I have this long list of demanding debt, an overworked, overwhelmed back with sin-filled sweat. I've got one foot out and then one foot in, and I'm playing hopscotch, and the line is sin. I don't know what my fate is. And I'm almost positive some of you in here can relate. But bear with me for a moment. Bear with me for a moment. We all know this story, but maybe we've never understood this story. He who has an ear, let him hear. And if you're willing to accept it, he who is, is still to come. Since day one, you were always meant to know a savior. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, the Son, Colossians 1, which means from him are all things.
Before him are all things. Before him are all things. In heaven and earth, he was pleased to take on the fullness and let it dwell in him. So then, your emptiness now becomes an overflowing glass and you can't see the bottom which represents your past. You were once alienated from God and considered his enemy, but now Jesus came. He was the perfect remedy through his death. You are now considered presentable holy in his sight rendering you acceptable we fight knowing jesus was whipped which stripped the enemy of its power you see he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame his name is my strong tower his name is my strong tower his resurrection reigns every second every minute every hour and this has got to mean something you see all my debt was paid when Jesus laid his life down only to raise it up again. Darkness had to bend and it couldn't contend when my Savior, my Jesus, came to defend what was righteously and rightfully his, me. We all know the story. We all know the story. But for a moment, for a moment, can we enter this story i can see it the scene was set jesus was hanging awaiting his final breath the crowd was mounted the cross was mounted and maybe it was a little tilted it was definitely quilted with crimson stain i could see the soldiers starting to gather around the cross with guilt-filled veins i can see it the crowd was scattered Hate-filled, they watched Christ bleeding, bruised, and battered. These chief priests, these elders of the church were screaming, He could save everybody else, but He can't save Himself. Is this your King? Let that sink in. Let that speak to your heart. Can you hear it? Can you hear Mary? Few words spoken, most likely clothes drenched with tears might be the clouds are starting to roll in the darkness is getting heavy scripture says it was around three when our savior breathed his final breath and said eli eli lebeshebentani and right there with this final stare jesus gave up his spirit and this changes everything see in that moment there was a curtain that split in two and if you only knew if you only knew what that meant salvation for you any doubts there it went you see the ground shook and the rock split any dominion or power the enemy had there it went you see because my jesus died but he did not stay dead. My Jesus, my Savior, with resurrection power, got out that bed. And you see, now this story, this story has got to mean something. This story has got to mean something. And as beautiful as it was physically, this, this story means so much more spiritually. For you and for me, we can live a life that extends to eternity. You see, I am now free, yet bought and purchased. I am now alive, yet dead and risen. True baptism 
You see, his glory is the cross. His glory is the resurrection. His glory erases my shame. His glory heals my pain. And his glory has a name, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, church. Come on, church. We're almost done. We're almost finished. Here's what I want to tell you. You can have a seat real briefly. We're going to finish. We're going to worship in a moment, but I want to finish with this. I want to finish with the last three verses that I read to you. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your mind on things that are above not on the things of earth for you have died and now your life is hidden with Christ and God what I want to do right now every head bowed every eye closed here's what I want to do if there's anyone in this building today Easter Sunday resurrection weekend if there's anyone in this building today that would say to themselves you know what philip i i have an empty religion i have a false philosophy that i've been holding on to and it's killing me transformation is not taking place there's an emptiness inside of me and i need jesus i don't need a crucifix I need Jesus. I don't need a philosophy. I need a person. The man that they call Jesus. The Prince of Peace. Because I feel chaos. I feel empty. I feel anxiety. I'm buried in my debts. I need Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, I'm going to give it. You can have him. He's yours. He's yours. And you may ask yourself, well, how do I receive him? It's a free gift. It's a free gift. We're told in Scripture, hey, here's all you have to do to receive this beautiful Savior. You just have to put your faith in Him and say, you know what? I believe. I believe that He walked this earth. I believe in the historical Jesus. I believe in His resurrection. And I know that I am a sinner. You have to admit, I'm a sinner. I'm a failure. Uh, my imagination, my, my thoughts, and even when I would want to do right, I do wrong. And even when I... I'm just consumed with something I can't get rid of in my flesh. I need a savior. I'm in debt. I want you to know all you have to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then all you have to do is admit what we all know. Admit what we all know. We're not perfect. The last thing is you repent. You say, Jesus, I, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I need a savior. And I repent of my sins and I'm not promising that I'm going to be perfect after I leave this place. But what I am promising is that I want to be faithful to you. That I want to walk in your word. And that I'm going to trust that as I repent of my sin, as I turn from my evil ways, that you will meet me with your spirit and you will sanctify me. And one day I'll look back and realize that you've been purifying me as I walked with you. And so Heavenly Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for any heart right now that doesn't know your son come on that's you like, I don't know you Jesus or maybe I've heard about you I know stories but I, I pray right now just right where you're at you don't need to get up you don't need to uh, uh, repeat after me you need to be honest in your heart before the Lord right now I can't lead you to Christ all I can do is say here he is you and you just receive him and so the Holy Spirit is speaking to you would you just right where you're at take a moment and say I receive you Jesus come on right where you're at I repent of my sin. 
I know I'm wicked, but you're perfect. So I believe that you died, you rose again, and I'm going to trust that your Holy Spirit is going to do what I can't do and lead me into a new life with you. Come on, would you ask him that right now? Come on, just a few more moments. And as you do that, we're going to worship. And if you feel it inside of you, just wanting to worship, and maybe you don't even know the song, just let your heart worship. Let your heart be free. And, and, and even if you just get to know Jesus, can I just can we just thank him? Can you just thank us? I don't know much about this story, but I want to thank you. Can we just move in a time of worship? I just want to thank you, Father. And as the Lord leads, can we, can we just fill this room before we dismiss? We're almost finished. Can we fill this room with worship? Come on, just right where you're at. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy. Lord, we pray for every church in the Bay Area right now. We pray for our cities, Lord. We pray for our nation. Lord, we pray for every church that's preaching the gospel this morning. We pray that dead men walking would walk into life. We pray that today, Lord, there would be a birthday of a new birth from millions of people. Lord, not just around the world, but in our nation. And Lord, we pray for the Bay Area right now. Despite what the enemy may say, there is a light in this dark place. And where it's the darkest, the light shines the brightest. And so we pray for the churches in our region. We pray for everyone sharing the gospel in our region. God, we pray for broken hearts, broken minds, broken spirits to be renewed, transformed and changed. Because in him, we are filled, we are full. There's nothing else that we need. God, I pray a blessing on everyone here today. Pray a blessing over every family represented here today. I pray a blessing upon every individual that gave their life to you today. May they walk out of here filling you. Lord, may you just continue to bring them into new life. Lord, we bless your name. Resurrection power. We love you. We ask these things in the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess on heaven and earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. We declare that name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We love you so much. You're welcome to come back next week. If you're a first time, second time, or a third time visitor, don't be shy. We got some in and out for you outside. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful Easter Sunday. When I see that grave, I see Jesus, and from death to